Almighty God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for, first of all, allowing us to wake up to another day. And uh, just so we can even celebrate the fact that uh, Paris and Zainabu are being appointed, uh, even though they're in a different part of the city, they're still a part of our family and what we're doing. God, we do pray for Judy McGraw and her family, God, as her aunt Linda Adams passed away suddenly Friday evening. Uh, we do pray for uh, Judy and Friday that you just continue to be with them. Uh, Father, please be with Steve Farron as well, who's just going through some health challenges. And God, just pray that you help us to remember it's all about you, Father, and that it's important for us to give you the glory, but also when challenges come, that we take it to you because you are the great physician and the, the healer of all. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, today is a special day because we're also going to honor our graduates, whether it's high school, college, or whatever. So what we're going to do, I'm just going to tell you the whole plan now, in that uh, I have four points to my sermon today, so you've got to listen at least four times. Uh, so four points. On point number four, those that are graduating are part of what we're doing. When I get to point number four, you can just go ahead and stand up and come on back and line up in the back here. So you already know who you are. I'm talking about graduated this year. If you graduated like 10 years ago, stay in your seat. That doesn't count. But if you're a part of things now, when I say point number four, just go ahead and stand up. Go on back to the back. Nobody's going to look at you weird. We want you to get up and come back and line up. And our brother George Boyce is going to come back here and lead the charge and just follow George and his voice. And uh, he'll take you back here. So, uh, but as soon as I'm done... Uh, uh, Milan and Christina are going to come and give a response to my lesson, so you have to listen to what I'm saying today. And then that'll give you guys time to line up. Okay? So everybody clear on what we're doing? Good. So now let's talk about our lesson for today. This is my graduation sermon for everybody. A student was asked, what did they learn in school? So one student said, I learned in nutrition class, chocolate comes from coca, which is a tree. That makes it a plant. Thus, chocolate is a salad. <laughs> one student learned from biology. School is killing us. Textbooks are made from paper. Paper are made from trees. We need trees for oxygen. Thus, schools are killing us. <laughs> one student asked, Teacher, would you punish me for something I didn't do? Teacher said, of course not. Said, good, I didn't do my homework. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of things, but do we really learn a lot in school? Absolutely we do. You learn about math, you learn about science, you learn about a lot of stuff. And either you use it or you lose it, actually. And sometimes I wonder, like, when you go to the, uh, the store and... If it wasn't for those computerized cash registers, how many people would really be able to give you the correct change back? Because a lot of times when I go to pay, in my mind, I already know how much change I'm coming back. Not that I don't trust the machine, but I don't know what numbers you punching in. So I need to know this the total, this is what I'm getting back. So I was always focused on math growing up because I thought, you know what, I'm going to make a lot of money when I get older playing in the pros. And I don't want nobody cheating me out of nothing. So I was just focused on math, math, math. And so that was something that I focused on. And I thought, okay, now I'm going to go into ministry. How in the world will I ever use math in the ministry? Uh, but you do. You use it a lot, an awful lot. 
but there's one thing that's important is that there is a life after graduation. Actually, life kind of starts after graduation because you no longer have those set routine classes, lunch, gym, you know, all those things. Now life starts. So today I want to call this our continual education for life. And so I want to give you four keys to life after graduation. So whether you're graduated this year or you did five years ago or whatever, this still applies to you, whoever you may be. Maybe you didn't even graduate. This still applies to you because you got a life to live. So the first thing I want to talk about, point number one, keys to life after graduation is this. Continue to seek the Lord. Continue to seek the Lord. Matthew 6, This is a scripture we use a lot. I know you probably heard it time and again. But Matthew 6, 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. It says, above all else, we need to seek God, his kingdom and his righteousness. And that's an important thing for us to remember, because as long as we're focused on knowing God and not just knowing self, we're going to be all right in life. Preacher and author Chuck Swindle wrote, I am more convinced than ever that life's major pursuit is not knowing self, but knowing God. The more we seek God and come to know him, the better off our life will be in all areas. And this is important because school doesn't even teach you about God, in a sense. They try to keep God out of schools, which is why schools are going downhill. We can't remove God from a situation and think we're going to prosper. Look at what it says in Psalm 53. Psalm 53, verse 1 and 2. Psalm 53, verse 1 says, A fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt and their ways are vile. There is no one who does good. God looks down from heaven on the sons of men to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. What it's saying here, you can get all the education you need, but if you are still not seeking God, you're going to be a fool. There are some smart fools in the world, very well educated, but not having God as a focus, they're a fool. And this is what he's calling us to do. We've got to understand this. Look in Psalms 119. Psalms 119, verse 1. Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are they who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. You know, one night on his graduation from medical college, Dr. Howard A. Kelly, world-famed surgeon and gynecologist of the early 1900s, wrote in his diary, I dedicated myself, my time, my capabilities, my ambition, everything to him. Blessed Lord, sanctify me to thy use. Give me no worldly success which may not lead me nearer to my Savior. No matter what career you choose, 
we can still serve God. So you got to understand, your career doesn't make you a Christian or not. You make the decision to be a Christian, and it changes your career. In the church, we have pro-athletes, we have doctors, lawyers, musicians, Uber drivers, teachers, cashiers. we got some of everything. You can be anything you want, but you still need to be a Christian. And this is something that we've got to understand. Again, it doesn't mean you can't succeed in life. We have many successful people. Everybody here is successful. But it's more important to be a Christian than it is to be successful. There are a lot of wealthy people that are just unhappy. Unhappy because there's an emptiness in their life that only God can fulfill. Just because you graduate high school, graduate college, Whatever it may be, you cannot stop seeking the Lord. Psalm 9, verse 10. Psalm 9, verse 10. Those who know your name will trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. You got to hear what it's saying. If you seek God, he will never forsake you. In other words, he'll never let you down. He'll never disappoint you if you are seeking God. Sounds like the smart thing to do in life is to put God first. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Now, I'm saying this to you because a lot of times we we have such a, in school, you have a structured schedule. But after school, now it's really about what do you want to prioritize? Because once you get out of that structure, now you got to make decisions of what's most important to you. And so I want to encourage you to keep seeking the Lord all the days of your life. The second part of this continual education is this. We need to continue to learn. Just because we may finish school, one part of school, doesn't mean we need to stop trying to learn. We need to always try to learn. Look in 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. And it's, just, it's not just a graduation lesson, because I'm, I'm bringing it home for us here. So don't, don't think, oh, I hope all y'all graduates are listening. No, 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 I hope everybody's listening to what we're talking about here. 2 Timothy 3, verse 12. It says, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil men and imposters will go from bad to worse, Deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of. Because you know those from whom you've learned it. And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. It says, continue in what you have learned and from those whom you have learned it. See, even after... Graduating, we need to continue to learn. Even when you get married, you need to continue to learn. Even when you retire from work, you need to continue to learn. Learning is something we have to desire to do. Aristotle said, educating the mind without educating the heart is no education at all. Matthew 12, verse 34. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. If your heart is all about mind education, 
That's all you're going to talk about. There's no God in there. There's no growth in there. It's just all about education. Education won't get you to heaven. Just because you can solve these hypothetical situations and Pythagorean theorems and all that, that theorem is not going to get you into heaven. We got to make sure we're focused on what we need to. It says we must continue our education even after being educated. Look back in uh, verse 3 again, 2 Timothy 3, verse 10. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings, what kind of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lister, the persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from them all. You know, we need to learn most importantly from godly people. Paul is telling Timothy here, he says, listen, you've learned not just because I've told you something in my teachings, but you've learned from my life. You've learned from what I've been through. You've watched me go through things. Guys, part of how we learn is by watching and talking to people who've gone before us. There is so much wisdom in here. Sometimes we look at older people and think, man, I just glad you're alive. We need to not just look at them as older people, but they are a vast opportunity of wisdom for us to have. You sit down and talk to somebody that's, a, that's older, you can get a lot of wisdom. They can teach you a lot of stuff about life. They didn't get to that age just by sitting around at home watching TV. There's a lot we can learn from people, especially if somebody's different than you, whether it's the culture, whether it's the area they grew up in. There's a lot you can learn from people. But sometimes we don't learn because we don't want to branch out. We like being comfortable where we are. Learning isn't about being comfortable. Learning is about to go. It's about going beyond the norm. There's a lot of wisdom in the church, not just biblically, but for life. You know, we can ask people, how do you interview for a job? We can ask people, you know, what kind of connections do I need to have to get somewhere? You know, this is, these are things that you got to understand. Sometimes it's who you know that opens the doors for you. There's a gentleman in here, I'm like, you know what, I think you should try to go into the FBI. I still got connections, even in New York, that can help you get a doorway in there. There's people, there's all kind of things. Sometimes you just got to know the right person to get you in that door, and then it's between you and God. But guys, you'll never get those opportunities unless we go after talking to people and learning from people. Amen? So not only do we need to seek the Lord continually, but we need to continually learn to improve who we are. One of the reasons I moved to New York is because I thought, you know what? I can learn a lot from Sam Powell. We had multiple different places we could have gone and been in the ministry. But I thought, you know what? Sam Powell is the kind of person that I can learn from. I don't just want to go there and be a peer to somebody. I want to learn. I want to be better than what I am. And guys, this is what we always got to long to do. Be better in life than where we are. Amen? Yeah. And then thirdly, point three, we need to continue to love. Continue to love. Look at Matthew chapter 22. Matthew 22. You know, people start high school and college and they get there and they don't like people. They get attitudes with them. 
Then on graduation day, everybody crying. I'm going to miss you. I love you. Let's keep in touch. You learn to love people. In Matthew 22, verse 35, one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law of the prophets hang on these two commandments. You know, the more you learn to love God, the more you'll learn to love other people. Whether they're easy to love or not easy to love. You love God and learn how much God loves you. It's easier to do those things. You know, one of the most challenging things in my life was being on the fire department in the Midwest. Because there's so much prejudice and racial, racial tension in there. Now, sometimes it was kind of funny, and I just rolled with it. Sometimes it was very serious. Uh, I remember when we first started out, the, your first year, the whole year, you're on probation. In other words, they could fire you for any reason, and you can't do nothing about it. So you pretty much got to do whatever said. But that first year, your rookie year, you do a lot of stuff. So Christmas time came, and I was the, the, the newest rookie, and so whoever's the newest rookie had to wear the Santa Claus outfit. And so the time came, and I went over to the Santa Claus outfit, and everybody said, no, 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 no. I was like, why? I'm willing to do it. And they said, you're going to mess my kids up. Because I was the only black guy in the whole department. And they didn't want to explain to their kids, Santa Claus is black. So I thought, okay, that's cool. I got no problem with that. Things like that, no big deal. Kind of funny. Other things weren't as funny. I remember sitting in, the, in our, in our uh, station, and we were just talking about our ethnicity, where we come from, and they asked me, what am I? And I said, African-American and Native American. And I remember the guy looked at me and he said, oh, so you're a double N. And he didn't say Negro. And I said, what? And he said, you're a regular N. And you're a prairie in. And I said, what? He said, yeah, that's what Native Americans are. They're prairie ends. Because they're out there in the desert on the prairie and they look down on them. And I sat there and I, I never heard that before. So I'm more amazed that they call Indian Native Americans prairie ends. And I'm sitting there and it literally it took me about five minutes before it clicked. Wait a minute, what did you just call me? I was so focused on, like, wow, that, that's amazing that they degrade people like that. Wait a minute, you called me a double N. And at that point, I'm steaming hot. But again, this is my rookie year. In your rookie year, you have to clean the toilets, you go get the food, you mop the floor. When you come over there, all they do is lift their feet up. You got to mop under their feet. All the rookies go through this. So I'm sitting here doing this. And in my mind, I'm thinking, you already think this of me. And now I'm doing all this cleaning the toilets after you go do what you do in there on purpose, just so I have to clean it. And I had to go through this for a whole year. Sometimes, guys, you're going to get a job and you're going to think, I don't like this job. I don't like how they treat me. I don't like this stuff. But the issue isn't about you. The issue is going to be about how is God going to be glorified?
You know, when my, when my year was up, there were new rookies that came in. And so the same thing happened to them. And none of them were minorities, but they came in there. And I thought, you know what? I'm not going to treat them the way I was treated. So when they came in, I would help them clean something or I would help them go to the store and get things. And they're like, what are you doing? Sit down. You don't need to do that. Your year is up. You're a veteran now. I'm like, yeah, but that's just not right. So I'm just going to help them anyway. I would get into arguments with them over helping somebody who was a rookie. But the key is I wanted them to see I'm different than you are. I don't have to be the way you are. I say this because no matter what job you have, there's going to come a time that you're not going to like something that goes on. But the issue is it's not about you. The issue is about glorifying God. And regardless of how you treat it, you're treated. You can still be a Christian in that position and let your light shine. Amen. There was a story of Thomas Monahan, the founder, president, and chief executive officer of Domino's Pizza. From 1970 to 1985, Domino's grew from a small debt-ridden chain to the second largest pizza company in America. When asked to account for the phenomenal growth of the company, Monahan explained, I programmed everything for growth. And how did we plan to grow? Every day we develop people. The key to growth is developing people. Not special cheese, not tasty crust, not fast delivery, but people. Their emphasis was on making sure people grew in who they are. The best companies are those that are providing growth for people. Some companies pay for your education. Some companies help do different things. You know what? Those are the companies that people do better in, thus the company does better. Guys, we've got to make sure we're not focusing on how am I being treated, how am I, but that we are glorifying God wherever he puts you. Amen? Look in Philippians chapter 2. Now, whether you hear all my sermon or not, you need to listen to that point, because trust me, there's going to come a time where you're in a job situation, as long as they're not trying to put you down, make you do something criminal or something of that nature, We just need to still be a shining light in a dark world. Philippians 2, verse 1, it says, If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. You know, one of the reasons I went on the fire department is because my family needed insurance. Uh, Because we had moved to Oklahoma and we could not get insured our daughter because she was already deaf. And so it was like... Two, three thousand dollars a month if we had to pay for insurance. Phenomenal, expensive. But if I got on the fire department, they would cover pre-existing conditions. So I'm going through all I'm going through thinking, you know what? If I don't do this, what's going to happen with my daughter, with my family? It wasn't about me. Even those tough situations, that's what was going through my mind. I need to run into this burning house for the sake of helping my daughter. I need to go and do what I'm doing for the sake of helping my daughter. Guys, things aren't always about us. I know we like to think they are, 
but it's not always about us. We are not that special. Ain't that how you say it, Lily? We ain't that special. Acts 20, verse 35. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. We need to seek the Lord, continue to seek the Lord, continue to learn, and continue to love. Point number four. My last point. Point number four. We need to continue to work hard. Okay, I'm still preaching, y'all. Everybody just, don't be distracted by the man in the white. <laughs> Continue to work hard. Look in 2 Thessalonians chapter 6. 2 Thessalonians, I'm sorry, chapter 3. There is no 6. Yeah, there is. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Verse 6. The fourth point is we need to continue to work hard. Verse 6 says, In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers, to keep away from every brother who is idle and does not live according to the teaching you receive from us. For you receive, for you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked night and day, laboring and toiling, so that we would not be a burden to any of you. We did this not because we do not have the right to such help, but in order to make ourselves a model for you to follow. For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. If a man will not work, he shall not eat. Here's the thing. Many people just like to relax and do the bare minimum. You know, growing up, everybody works hard. I just remember this, you got to do this and do that and stay up late and do, I mean, it was such a, a, a character building thing to work hard. Nowadays, if you work hard, you stand out because not everybody, not everybody works hard. People will always want to find a way out, but if you are a hard worker, you'll always be employed. And think about what I'm saying, because there are some people that are always looking for a job. You know why? Because they don't like to work hard. They do a little bit, then they get irritated, tired, angry. I got to quit. I got to find something else. That ain't working out for me. It's not that it ain't working out for you. You ain't working. You got to work hard in whatever it is you're doing. Whether it's school, whether it's sports, whether it's music, art, we have to learn to work hard. That means sometimes staying up late. It means getting up early. It means doing a little bit extra. But those that like to sit around and just take it easy, that's not biblical. The Bible says we need to stay away from idle people. If you don't work, you don't eat. Well, that's not being spiritual. You're supposed to give to anyone in need. True. But just because you're hungry don't mean you're in need. Sometimes you're hungry because you ain't working. And you're capable of working. People that aren't capable of working and hungry are in need. But some of us, we sit around and... and, and, Let me just go on. 
Let me keep moving. Because we're going to be getting text messages in a few minutes. You should have heard what my preacher said. Sam, we need you back in the Bronx. Around 1920, a pharmacist bought a drugstore in South Chicago. Soon he became bored with his job and began to dream of ways to make it more exciting. It was during a time when people were just beginning to call in their orders by phone. So the man decided to challenge himself by seeing how quickly he could deliver orders. When someone called, he repeated the order out loud, including the name and address. And he spoke with the caller. As he spoke with the caller, the assistant filled the order and the driver left to deliver it. The pharmacist kept the customer on the phone chatting until the order arrived. Most of the customers lived nearby, but this kind of prompt service was revolutionary. As word spread, it became the busiest pharmacy in Chicago. And within a few years, Charles Walgreen revolutionized the pharmacy industry because he decided to go the second mile beyond what was expected. The question is, are we willing to go the second mile? First of all, spiritually, are you willing to get up earlier in the morning to get time with God? 15, 20, 30 minutes earlier. Now, we can say yeah now, but when that alarm clock goes off, do we still say yeah? Oh, I do it, praise the Lord. Yeah, Jesus, I just took communion. I'll get up for you. Uh, uh, uh. No, not happening. Are we willing to stay up late? (laughs) Need I say more? (laughs) But let's be honest. There's one honest person in the group. Lord Jesus. If I was in the Baptist church, I'd pull out a handkerchief and start. Uh, so, we, we have to go to the second mile. Bottom line, guys, we got to continue to seek the Lord. We got to continue to learn. We got to continue to love. And we got to continue to work hard. That's what's important. Just because you may graduate or become a Christian, it's not over. What does it say in Matthew 28? Continue to teach them to obey. It's not over with, guys. And so I want to encourage us all to keep learning, to keep growing, and to keep doing what God wants us to do. And to God be the glory. Amen.